Hi, this is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is home for survivors like myself and those who yearn to build resilience in their mindset and live their best life. In season three, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the wellness, business, media, and travel industries. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed. As a board-certified wellness coach, number one best-selling author, and syndicated columnist, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate it if you could share it. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Today's podcast guest on resilience is psychologist, coach, author, and radio host, Dr. Ellen Albertson. As Ellen states, usually people are like, oh my God, I treat myself so differently. So with self-compassion, we are treating ourselves like a good friend. So there's three elements to self-compassion. The first is being kind rather than judgmental. The next piece is common humanity, understanding that everybody makes mistakes. We all fail. The third piece is mindfulness. You are aware when you're struggling. Ellen, please introduce yourself. Thank you, Savia. So awesome to be here. So I'm known as the Midlife Whisperer, and I'm kind of your one-stop shop for all your midlife needs. So I handle body, mind, heart, spirit, relationships. What I really help women do at midlife, and some guys too, is get real, discover who they are, and really give them the tips that they need to navigate life. Because midlife is challenging. There's a lot of transforming. There's a lot going on. And I feel like you know, people need a, a guidebook. They need a blueprint to how to really use this time period to transform so they can really create another amazing chapter for themselves. Wonderful. So I know you and I connected because you contributed to my interview series with Authority Magazine and Thrive Global, Rising Through Resilience, How to Be Resilient During Turbulent Times. And what I found really, um, what really grabbed my attention is this idea that you sort of focus on with self-compassion, that essentially you, you should be your own good friend. Can you elaborate a little more on that? Sure. Well, that's essentially the essence of self-compassion is learning to treat yourself the way you would a good friend. And if you think about it, just imagine for a moment that you have a good friend and they've had something happen, maybe a health crisis, they've had a relationship issue or something with maybe their work. And think about how do you treat them? What tone of voice do you use? What's your posture? Like, what would you do, right? If you had a friend and just said, oh my God, I just got this health diagnosis and I'm falling apart. You would like run right over there. You would give them a hug, make them dinner, try to like, you know, help them out, right? And so think about what happens yourself. So think about a time in your life where you've had a health crisis, problem with work, relationship issue. Think about how do you treat yourself? If you're like most people, and I've done this with probably thousands of people at this point, and 
usually people are like, oh my God, I treat myself so differently. Like with myself, I'm like, oh my God, why is this happening to me? Or why was I so stupid? Or I got to go into fix it mode. So with self-compassion, we are treating ourselves like a good friend. So there's three elements to self-compassion. The first is being kind rather than judgmental. You're not being judgmental and saying this shouldn't be happening or why is this happening or what did I do wrong? You're being kind. You're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that this is happening. The next piece is common humanity, understanding that everybody makes mistakes. We all fail. We all go through things. I think that's something that COVID showed us is like, we're all in this boat of like going through suffering and stress. Now, the third piece is mindfulness. You are aware when you're struggling again so often we just like not even aware that we're freaking out and we're upset like i think about years ago you know occasionally i would get in a you know get stopped by a police officer and i would my heart would be pounding a mile a minute and i'd be beating myself up why did i do this instead of just wow this is really hard i'm here for me right now so the cool thing about self-compassion is that no matter where you are self-compassion is a state and a trait but no matter where you are on the spectrum so if you're like much more in the self-loathing, self-critical, and you can learn self-compassion. It is a muscle. Like, you know, I know you're, you come from a personal fitness trainer background. I do too. We go to the, we go to the gym to build our muscles. We practice self-compassion. We go to the self-compassion gym by noticing when we're stressed, we're struggling, giving ourselves what we need. And that self-compassion muscle gets stronger. Yeah. You know, you've had so many lives like dietitian, a journalist. I mean, can you just take us back? Take us back to, you know, the, the trajectory of your career so far. Uh, sure. Well, I started in the cor corporate world and I was like, I was climbing this ladder of success, but it was up against the wrong building. You know, I've been told like, this is what you should do. And I went to a very prestigious school and I got in the corporate world in New York City. My life kind of fell apart and I realized I needed to transform what I was doing. And I'd always loved nutrition. My mom was super interested in healthy eating and I was always really interested in, in helping people. So becoming a, becoming a dietitian felt like a really good fit for me. And I was fortunate enough to find a program uh, at Boston University that was nutrition communication. So I got to roll in this communications piece which has sort of followed me throughout my life with the nutrition piece. So I became a dietitian, but then I also learned how to get in front of a camera. I learned how to be a journalist, uh, learned how to, you know, do radio. So I started out my career as a dietitian, as an outpatient dietitian, as I was building my journalism career in sort of health and wellness reporting, my ex-husband and I became the cooking couple. So we were celebrity chefs in the nineties. Um, and then that sort of all fell apart, you know, as we were going through this transition into the internet. And I decided to, to become a personal fitness trainer. I literally got a postcard in the mail. I never thought about that as a career, but I've always been a jock. So I was like, that would be really fun. Like, I would just love to hand people weights all day and motivate them. And like, being, I love being in a gym. Like, I couldn't, didn't want to go back and be clinical. I don't like being behind a desk. So I worked as a personal fitness trainer. And that is where I found out about coaching because as a dietitian, you know, I learned to tell people, eat this, don't eat that. But people knew what to eat, but they weren't doing it. So this whole behavior, I know we're both um, national board certified health and wellness coaches, right? So I didn't have the psychological skills to get people to change their lifestyle, change their behavior. I could say, you know, eat this, don't eat that, you know, have carrots instead of, you know, corn chips. But I didn't know how to get them to eat carrots instead of corn chips. So that led me to coaching, which was just so amazing. And the whole coaching journey 
has been so amazing for self-discovery. I know we were talking off air that we, we need to coach ourselves, right? We always need to be growing and learning as coaches. So coaching is a huge backbone of what I do. And then from that, I became a psychologist because um, I wanted more degrees, partially because this sort of quest for accomplishments and degrees was kind of a bit of hiding my authenticity, honestly. Um, and that's a big piece of what I do with people at midlife, because sometimes we are always feeling when I get this next degree, this next certificate, if I lose the weight or change, we're looking to change things on the outside. And, and we're not working on the inside. So over the last decade or so, finding self-compassion, that was the, my dissertation topic, that really transformed me from the inside where I started feeling really good about myself. And I didn't need more degrees or, you know, accomplishments that I, I could really feel like I was enough. Um, both my body, I had negative body image and eating disorders um, and, you know, trying always this quest to be perfect and really reversed all that. Now I just start with self-love and everything unfolds from there. So that's, you know, I kind of use all my skills. I'm also a Reiki master. So I have this very strong spiritual bent. I mean, I work, I'm a mindful self-compassion teacher. I was fortunate enough to study with Kristen Neff and learn self-compassion. So just using all these skills, I feel like I have a very well-rounded um, toolbox to really support people. Yeah, I, I know two of the other uh, traits that you and I share is our love of curiosity and self-learners. Uh, and what I really loved is your, or appreciated is your honesty in, you know, being in a toxic marriage and having two kids and, and you know, being diagnosed with clinical depression. Can you take us back? What do you feel or sense is, was the life lessons there for you? Yeah, um, so the depression issue was was intense because by the time I got to the um, psychiatrist and got diagnosed, it was such a relief because I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I am just not functioning well here. I am sad all the time. I'm crying. I, mean, I think menopause was part of it. It's sort of a double-edged sword that, you know, women are going through menopause. Women at midlife have the highest rate of depression for any... Um, any group for gender and age. So I think my life lessons there were, this is an illness, just like I know you work a lot with people who are going through cancer, it's an illness. But a lot of times we don't consider um, mental health illnesses to be an illness. And it really, really was. And that was a huge lesson that it was an illness, it was treatable through medication, lifestyle change, therapy. Um, and that was a huge thing for me. Um, I think that the other big life lesson, um, other lens were, you know, you don't have to stay in a marriage that's not working for you. I think that we're taught right, that, you know, marriage is supposed to be forever, but we change as people. And it's okay if you're feeling like, you know what, I just don't want to be on this trajectory. This We're not going in the same way. I need to, to, to leave, which is really hard. Divorce is a very hard thing. I think that when we're talking about, you know, divorce, cancer, any kind of these transitions, transformations, you kind of like have to rebuild yourself from scratch. Um, so that was just really learning how resilient I was or am getting through something like divorce and that realizing that it's it's truly all of these things are truly caterpillar to butterfly. You know, when the caterpillar becomes the butterfly, it literally uh, digests itself. It secretes an acidic goo and it becomes like just this gooey mass and its DNA is still the same, but transformation's messy. It's really, really messy. You know, I think that that our consumer culture says, oh, you know, redo your home, you redecorate, lose some weight, you know, get a new outfit, redo your hair. We want this like, boom, instant transformation, but true, deep, mm 
internal stuff is very messy. But um, I think my final lesson is that self-compassion will get you through everything. Self-compassion truly is your superpower. Um, it is both a parachute and a life vest. So it is a parachute so that you know, I know both of us are on these big trajectories, right? We're trying to do more, be more, help more people. And it's scary. You know, entrepreneurs jumping off that cliff one more time. But with self-compassion, it's like, okay, I can, I can hold myself. You know, if I don't do so good, it's like, okay, I can be here comforting, soothing myself. I've got these, these skills to soothe myself. But it's also a life vest when we're, we get that health diagnosis, when someone we love is sick or, you know, passes, when we're going through... The kind of crisis that our world is going through right now um it's a life vest that really gives you specific tools and ways of managing your emotions to get you through it i think in our culture we're taught that you know it's okay to feel joy and and gratitude and happiness but god forbid we should be sad or scared or grieve this sort of this toxic positivity where it's not okay to feel the difficult emotions, but that is totally false. We're human. I mean, the Dalai Lama, you know, Jesus, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, mm -hmm. these incredible people all felt sad. They all grieved. They all were scared. It's part of being human. You know, Jesus is up on the cross. He's not like, I'm just going to let that go. God, you know, he's suffering, right? So we have to learn how to embrace all of our emotions, how to process them and use them in a way that really can... Um, you know, deepen us and help us to be bigger, bolder humans. Yeah, yeah. In the piece, you also mentioned that when Christine Neff agreed to be on your dissertation, uh, there, there were like two takeaways that you learned, two lessons, that self-compassion is incredibly powerful. I love that. And that we have the equation reversed, like self-loathing never leads to self-love. That was so powerful. It hit me literally right in my heart when I, uh, you know, when I read it. Can you expound more on that? Sure. Well, I used to think, and I can talk about body image because that was my big, um, that was my topic for my dissertation. I used to think, you know, when I was perfect, when I beat myself up enough, right? So beat up my body, get more degrees, make more money, all of these success things, then I'll feel good about myself. And I would, you know, with my clients, I'd be like, okay, when you lose the weight, when you have the six pack abs, then you'll feel good about your body. But what happens is when we start with self-loathing, it's like we have this backpack that is filled with not enough, not good enough, not smart enough, not thin enough, right? And so when we beat ourselves up, we're carrying that into our future and that's what shows up. And when we beat ourselves up, we generate cortisol, which is the hormone of fight or flight. And cortisol, the research really shows, is that it undermines motivation. You know, when someone yells at you, you don't feel motivated. You might feel motivated for a moment, like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do that thing. But really what happens is we're so tired. We're so drained. You know, cortisol gets us going, but then the aftermath of it is just in, everything's inflamed. It's bad for our health, our mental health, our emotional health. So, um, but now what I start with with my clients is let's start with loving yourself. And let's, you know, lift those weights because you care about yourself. You want to be happy and free of suffering. You you want don't want to be a bent over, you know, 80-year-old. Uh, you want to be fit and healthy and feel good and not have those worries in your life. So when we start with self-love, we take those actions. The research really shows people who have more self-compassion go to the doctor. They have healthier relationships. They're more compassionate to others. They're kinder to themselves. 
um, they are again more optimistic, more resilient. So, but on, on the flip side too, the lower things are dealt with too. There's less depression, anxiety, and stress, more happiness, more optimism, more joy. So you start with self-love and self-compassion and everything really changes from there because you stop doing those things that insult your soul. You get out of the, the marriage or the relationship that's not working, the job you hate, you know, you find that time to take care of your body. You do all of those things that you know are in your best interest. I know you affectionately call yourself the midlife whisperer and it's, the, I love it. It's the non-judgmental one stop for your midlife needs. Um, where did that idea for, uh, formulate from? I was literally at a conference for um, the uh, Entrepreneur Women's Network. And you know, we were thinking a lot about brands and I was meeting a lot of cool people, very creative space. And like you, you know, I got curious. I was like, oh, what do I do? Like, what would really mm. encapsulate that? And it just, boom, it was just this divine download that was just the midlife whisper. And I was like, wow, that kind of says it all. And I was shocked that nobody had it. Nobody had the URL. And not only did I get it right away, I literally like went to GoDaddy and like grabbed it, trademarked it. As just like that day that it hit my head, in my head, there was a um, one of the speakers and he utilized the term, the jewelry whisperer. And that was kind of like a confirmation. And you know, when I say it, people really get it. And so that's why I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to embody that. And I really feel like it, really encapsulates my work because yeah, I'm tough. I'm a tough coach. I've been a trainer, you know, I've got a tiger as a, a power animal. I'm, I'm tough, but I'm also tender and I'm compassionate and I listen deeply and I create a non-judgmental space for my clients and fans and followers. So I think it really hits the right note. Yeah. So Ellen, I want to come back to the focus of today's conversation. So how do you define resilience? Ah, <sighs> Well, I think just being able to, um, I gosh, I was hearing this, I think it was Oprah's written a book about it. This this idea of, I think she talks about it, we think about it as bounce back, but it's not quite bounce back. It's more like a coat hanger. You know, those metal coat hangers, right? They bend. So it's more like you're bending, you're transforming. So I feel like it's, it's there's a transformational piece. It's not just about bouncing back, but it's like you're bouncing, but you're bouncing into a new new you. You're coming through something. You're the hero of your own journey. You're facing, you know, the dark night of the soul, difficult things in your life. For me, one of the things I talk about in my book, Rock Your Midlife, is I went blind three times. You know, I didn't I didn't have the cancer journey that, you know, you talk about in your marvelous book, but um, my retina detached three times in my good eye. I've always struggled with my eyesight. I had cataract surgery, and then shortly after that, my retina detached, and it was like, you know, I needed resilience because not only did I have to keep the faith that I was going to get my side back, but I also, I needed to do this thing called positioning where I needed to stay face down on a massage table for 19 to 20 hours a day for like a month, which was really hard. Um, I could get up to like, you know, take a quick walk and make a sandwich, but that was about it. But resilience is being able to bounce back, but like bounce back and transform. You know, so you become something different. You become like that coat hanger that takes a different form, but it's still able to hold on to that suit or maybe your suit that you're wearing has changed. So I hope that's a good definition. Yeah, there was a keyword you used there, which I love, positive adaptation to stressful, adverse um, events. And to me, I got the visual right away. And and I, I would definitely agree that um, when it comes to resilience, it's not about sort of the finish line always. It's about the process towards the finish line. And I just loved how you 
sort of explain that or you know detail that. Um, I also asked in the piece about courage. Do you see courage and resilience as one and the same, different? Um, I see them as different. Um, I think of courage as, you know, it's definitely um, a character strength and we all have it to some degree. And the word courage, the root of the word is core, which is the French word for heart. So I think about courage as being able to follow your heart. So I think about resilience as having adversity and being able to bounce and transform from that. And I see courage more as following a path with heart. So doing those things that are that are really tough, but you feel like this is what my heart is telling me that I need to do going forward. Yeah, in the piece also, you mentioned one of your sheroes when it comes to resilience is Oprah Winfrey. Um, how has she played a big role in your life uh, when it comes to the notion of resilience? Well, well, she's like the quintessential, like, wow. I mean, you know, I will admit I am a woman of privilege. I did not grow up poor to a teenage mother live as a black woman living in the South, you know, I mean, and she had a pregnancy herself. I mean, she went through hell and she, she really transformed herself and she is so inspirational and she speaks from her heart and she has had throughout her career, so many ups and downs and so many attacks and issues. And each time that resilience, right? Well, the courage, she follows her heart. And then the resilience that she really um, bounces back. She she becomes bigger and bolder and better. And I think more now she really is doing what she wants to do with her life. She's both. I love her brand because it's so authentic and she is both um, helping women. But she's living. She's rocking her life. Right. She's like, you know, she's growing her vegetables. You can see she's having a good time. She worked her butt off for years and she's like, you know what? it's time for me to enjoy my life. So I think she really is, you know, I think when she had her show, that was, I can't imagine what it's like to have a national a show of that magnitude five days a week for 25 years. Um, and she's just helped so many people and she's so wise and she just is so heartfelt and just, just a beautiful light in the world. It just, and I think we're living in these times and I found that I'm, and starting to read your book. I loved it so much because there are so many heroes and heroes in the world um, that we're seeing with all of the tragedy. We're just seeing these people who are just like, I'm standing up to it. And I think that's the big change that we're seeing right now. I think that media has really allowed that to happen where all of us can have a platform and all of us can stand up and say, I don't like what I see in the world. It used to be like, you know, there were people in charge and everybody had to like line up and do things. And there's just, we're all seeing everything that's happening in the world. And I really feel like a significant, most of us want, you know, to be happy and peaceful. And a lot of people are just standing up for what is wrong now. And we're all, I mean, like, you know, Bowie, we, we could all be heroes. Yeah, yeah. I, and I also love it when you mentioned that you had a lot of pushback for your fifth book, Rock Your Midlife, and how people were telling you that you couldn't do it yourself. But you were like, I'm going to, and I'm going to make it a bestseller. And I just love that sheer determination because I think it takes that. Uh, what, what was the journey like for you with that process? Yeah, well, I found an agent and um, a really great agent, and I'm, I really resonated with her. But, you know, my following just wasn't big enough. I mean, it's hard to get a book deal. And I mean, I, I worked a little bit on my on getting my following. And then I just said, I'm going to do it. This is my fifth book. And I've had one large publisher, one Simon & Schuster, and several, um, it, some, self, uh, some self-published. I kind of did it before. It was, it was work, but it's really 
so gratifying, you know, to look back at look looking at the book behind me and just feeling really good about it. But it it took grit, you know, it and it took um, you have to really believe in yourself uh, because no one else on the one hand, no one else is giving you a deadline. So you have to realize, OK, I'm the only one putting pressure on me so I can relax a little bit. So we have to have this sort of balancing act between relaxing and like if it's an extra week, you know, the deadline gets pushed up. It's okay. I'm in charge of what's going on with this, but at the same time, pushing yourself and having the confidence that it was going to be good and that there was a need in the marketplace for rock your midlife um, and pushing through. And, but I had a lot of support too. So a lot of, a lot of good people out there to help me edit it and put it together and learn how to do it. But again, you know, places like Amazon are making it really easy for people to put their stories out there to be creators. So, you know, I, I referenced this earlier, but you've had so many lives, so to speak, corporate you know, executive, nutritionist, journalist, celebrity chef, trainer, transformational coach, psychologist. What's next, Ellen? What's your big vision? My big vision? Um, well, I'm a tiger, so I have nine lives, right? So it's my power animal. But I just, I want to redefine, rebrand midlife. Midlife really needs rebranding. When you Google midlife, what comes up is... Um, crisis. It's conjoined with crisis. And also when you put it in thesaurus, it is um, uh, that you see the wrong side of 40. And I'm like, ageism is a real thing. Like we've talked about all of these other isms that we're working through. But like I was in a yoga class the other day and I was easily the oldest person in the room. I'm looking at 60 right now and I don't feel old. I don't think I look particularly old, but I guess in a lot of eyes, like 60 is kind of old. So ageism in terms of like professionally, I'm actually starting a radio show myself. Uh, so I think when this comes out, it starts actually March 23rd. It is called Rock Your Midlife. It's going to be on Voice America. So it's going to be a live radio show where I'm going to be taking in callers. And so I feel like I'm going to have this really great platform and opportunity to help midlife women discover who they are, get real and get the tools to navigate life. Um, so just helping more and more women. So hopefully when my 25 year old daughter gets to be in midlife, she can be like, wow, mom, midlife is a really cool time. Yeah. 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 So um, Ellen, what are your five steps that someone can, uh, can do to become more resilient? Well, number one is practice self-compassion. So I think we've talked a lot about that is treat yourself like a good friend. And there are tons of resources, courses, if you want to start to flex your self-compassion muscle. Number two is practice mindfulness. So mindfulness and compassion are kind of like two wings of a bird. Mindfulness is just about being present and it is another superpower. So it's experiencing what you're experiencing, why you are experiencing. The reason it's so powerful is that you know, as humans, we have this default mode network that runs down the center of our brain, which is always scanning our environment for what is wrong with us in our lives and danger and what could go wrong. But being in the present moment is really all you've got. It's where the magic happens. And so when you are present, you're enjoying your life. You're turning off that default mode network that's that's constantly looking for danger. And I think we, you know, we're in this world now where we're looking at the media, we're worrying about things. But you get present. And so practicing just like self-compassion, you can practice being mindful, maybe practicing one thing in your life that you do every day. Maybe it's getting in your car or when you're with your kids or when you brush your teeth in the morning or in the evening. So mindfulness is really, really important. Um, number three is authenticity. And it's the first step in my book, self-compassion, loving yourself is the second. Um, authenticity is really important because for, you know, for a couple of reasons, 
you got to feel comfortable in your skin. Like if you don't like know who you are, you're going to feel really lost. And as I was sort of saying earlier, you're going to be like climbing up that ladder of success that's against the wrong building. And you're going to wonder when you get to the top, why you're not enjoying the view. So it's really about knowing yourself, you know, having the courage to be yourself, to like let yourself, you know, shine. And I think the other piece of that too is when all of us love ourselves, when all of us are like mindful of practicing self-compassion, being authentic, then we give everybody else the permission to do the same. And we're not looking to hurt anybody else because we feel good about who we are and we're there for ourselves. So authenticity is really important. Um, I would say number four is rehabbing your relationships. I mean, we're humans, we, we are in relationship. And what happens so often is um, when we start to change and transform, people still think that we are the caterpillar. We're like, no, look, I'm a butterfly. Look at me. I bounced back from this thing and I've changed. I've transformed. So we need to have skills to learn how to let go over the people pleaser, how to create some boundaries, how to get our needs met and really work on those relationships. Because I know for myself, that's been one of the hardest things for me is standing up to people that I love you know, even your know, family members and like, when they're like, no, you don't want to do that. I'm like, no, I really do want to do that. Um, I've had family members tell me, you don't want to like be on a bigger stage. Like you wrote your book now, just go to sleep. It's done. But I said like, no, I want to be on a bigger stage. I want to help more people. It's what I'm here to do. But um, rehabbing your relationships is really, really important. We need people to support us, right. To help us to be resilient. But if they're not supporting our, our true, the true us, then that's not going to be of use. And if we're constantly trying to be a people pleaser, be a, you know, the good girl or guy, then that's going to undermine our ability to bounce back. And then I would say, you know, work on your positive emotions. We talked about toxic um, positivity. So it's not about being Pollyanna and being super happy all the time. There are difficulties in the world. We need to process those emotions, but it's also working on elevating your vibe, elevating your emotions um, and the research really shows, this is the research of Barbara Fredrickson, is that when we have more, a higher ratio of positive emotions to negative emotions, we broaden and build. So instead of being in this sort of having bl fear blinders on where we're like, okay, what's going to happen? And that's the, that is the mindset where we bring that, that fear mindset into how we perceive the world, our worldview. When we have more positive emotions, when we're more, you know, gratitude, joy, optimism, we broaden and build, you know, when we have more laughter, more, more joy, we can see the world in a different way. And I really feel like we're in a time right now where we all we need a ton of resilience and we all need to believe and have faith in ourselves in a better future. Because if we all feel that way, well, that's what we are going to manifest. There is this thing called collective consciousness, right? Where we are all like the two of us are all vibing with helping the world, making the world a better place. And we are bringing that into existence. This is quantum physics. And so if we all are working on ourselves and working on raising our vibration, well, the world's going to be a better place and we're all going to enjoy our lives more. Yeah, beautiful. So this is the part of the conversation that I call brainstorming. And one of the things I know you mentioned is sort of this idea of midlife and ageism. I wanted to have a conversation about how do you think things can be different in our world when it comes to that? What can we, what are some steps that you and I can maybe think of in the moment? That can maybe help that. Yeah. Well, there's that, you know, the self-compassion piece that I've talked about a lot. And I think is, is also just um, 
seeing you know, looking in people's eyes right like the the biggest issue in our world is that we don't see the divinity in everyone and everything whatever your religious leanings are we all are divine beings we all are holy we're all important everybody matters and if we can sort of see beyond gender age race when i think about all of that stuff i think this is crazy like why aren't we you know, holding people with reverence. So I think the first thing is just to see that, you know, to see where our judge, where, you know, holding that, trying to see people in their essence. And also, I guess we all need to look at our own prejudices. I know I have them, you know, I'm starting to, you know, look at those things, noticing what's triggering me, what I need to work on. Um, we all are taught things in our culture, our stories, and we need to work on our stories. So those are a couple of things. And I think too, just, um, you know, we need to, again, change the way we're looking at midlife. We're living into our 80s. And so we need to really think positively about aging. We're not getting older. We might be slowing down a little bit, but understanding that if we really um, have a healthy lifestyle, we can live. I mean, I'm making it to 100, 120. I don't know about you, but, you know, that, that we can really, um, it, it's not a downhill slog. We are wiser, a little slower. My knees are a little creakier, but... Um, you know, we can be incredibly wise and resilient for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's And and I love how you mentioned that it, it's conjoined with the word crisis. But it's interesting because I just got back and I mentioned to you from uh, South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. And what was really big there the last four days I was on the press track was metaverse, NFTs. And it was really interesting to me because I got to experience, I know I know a little bit about this world, but I actually got to experience the heavy head, the heavy hitters. And what's interesting to me is that it's like an even playing field. It's like an alternative reality, but the idea of you as a being living in the physical world is no longer. So therefore you, you can create another identity. And that just got me thinking about this idea of what you and I were speaking of when it comes to brainstorming about this idea of midlife like what what is that really in the physical material world we know what, what that is but in this you know there's so much investment now in nfts and metaverse i just find like that was gonna be an interesting way forward and i just wanted your thoughts on that as well yeah i mean i think that um where you even just think about your cells in your body that your body turns over constantly and that you can constantly be creating i think that the way that we perceive and think about ourselves, it can be constantly changing. I mean, you had sort of alluded to how many different hats I've worn. I'm still me. Yeah. So it's sort of, I think it's, it's hand in hand of, yeah, we can keep recreating the, the way that we show up in the world. It's kind of like, I think about that, um, what was that? Uh, Second Life. They used to have that virtual reality, right? Where we could decide who we want to be. So we can be and have a different skin, but the essence of who we are, that soul of who we are, stays the same. It's almost like the soul's like driving a different car and you just get to decide, do I want a Porsche? Do I want a Prius? Do I want a Tesla? Like, what am I going to drive? And maybe we're all moving more towards that, like electric cars that are better for the, you know, the environment kind of thing. But I love that, that idea that you brought up. Yeah, wonderful. So how can my audience find out more about you online? You can just Google the Midlife Whisperer. Hopefully I, you don't find me with crisis, but um, just I'm at themidlifewhisperer.com. You can Google Dr. Ellen Albertson. I am on um, Instagram at the Midlife Whisperer and I'm on Facebook at Dr. Ellen Albertson. So I'm super easy to find. If you go to my website, you can get my book through there. You can contact me if you'd like 
to have a conversation about how I can support you. Um, if you're interested in being on my radio show, anything like that, feel free to reach out. I would love to speak with you. Wonderful, Ellen. Thank you so much. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed today. Thank you. It was a blast. Thank you so much. Sure. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human We Solve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. You can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, a subscription to my weekly newsletter, where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains, and my author website, isurvivedcancer.co, where you can purchase my number one best-selling book, I Survived Cancer and Here's How I Did It. 35 cancer survivors share their journey and view the book trailer, including excerpts from the book. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this podcast platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.